the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, as well as the Unite, i.e. Coalition of Conservative and Patriot Groups, in the Inland Empire of Southern California, our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. And, uh, you know, we see every day, every hour practically, the need for people to step up and fulfill the obligations of their most important political offices if you want little things like a free country or a country at all that has borders. Fiscal responsibility or bankrupting the country. I can go on and on and on about that. I am very pleased and honored uh, this week as our guest is Jenny Beth Martin. It's been a while since she's been on the show. She is the founder and uh, I don't know, CEO or Grand Cuba or whatever her the, the official title is, but she's the leader of the Tea Party Patriots National Organization that our group affiliate, affiliates with and so many other groups around the country do. And uh, they have been very, we're going to talk about uh, in the show uh, what they're up to. And they're not in the news as much as back at the founding. I know Jenny Beth was there at the founding with the initial rallies after that Rick Santelli rant at the uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange in 2009 about needing another tea party. And lo and behold, there was one. And that was a huge factor in the Republican success in 2010. And, uh, it kind of then the Tea Party was shunted aside by the Republicans now that they had a majority in the House. Surprise, surprise. That's enough for me. Welcome to the show, Jenny Beth. Well, thank you so much for having me, Gregory. I'm excited to be with you today. Yes. And I, she's not just the person who's in the the office and raises money and makes decisions. But uh, you've got, you've been out there and you'll, you'll go out, you'll be out canvassing for elections or working. You were a paralegal volunteer paralegal in the uh, Georgia challenge to the, in the 2020 election. So you're not just uh, up at the top. You actually get down there and work as a, as a volunteer would. Um, that's exactly right. I I do. I'm certainly not an attorney, but I wound up being pulled in to help on President Trump's legal team in Georgia after the 2020 election because I know how to organize people and was able to help take the complaints that came into the hotline, match them with volunteer attorneys so that there were affidavits that he then used in the lawsuit in Georgia. But you're right. I, I I started my the whole reason I got involved in the Tea Party movement was because I already was an activist locally. And a part of the the thing that propelled me to start Tea Party Patriots, along with a few other people, I was a co-founder and to keep going and to stick with it for so long is that I what I. I know what it takes to be that local volunteer because I am that local volunteer. I know the things that you often need because I either am doing it locally or someone on our team, our staff is doing it locally or, um, or I've been there in the, the spot where you might be as you're organizing and, and know the kind of things that you need. So you're absolutely right. And I love going around the country and meeting the grassroots activists. I just love being able to do that. And you can find uh, more about Tea Party Patriots at TeaPartyPatriots.org. You sign up for their newsletter. And uh, if you're a leader, a group leader, or an activist, you could also get involved. They have weekly, actually, no, it's monthly now, uh, webinars with lots of good information and discussion with your fellow group leaders and activists from around the country. Uh, let's, let's, let's start. What is the... When the Tea Party movement broke in 2009, there were these huge rallies, got lots of attention, lots of negative attention from the enemy media, as well as the Democrats who saw 
the Tea Party movement as a threat. And certainly there isn't as much public attention, but we're still around. What what are what is that? What are the Tea Party patriots doing now? You are right. We're still around. And remember, also, we were targeted by the IRS, and that caused a lot of our volunteers to remain active, but maybe not be quite as vocal. It truly had a silencing effect. And it's part of the reason that targeting that happened to us was weaponization of government. And it's part of the reason why we are so actively opposed to what is happening to President Trump right now as the government continues to be weaponized against him. We've seen that in New York with the indictment and what um, a, the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, is is doing to President Trump. We're very concerned and anticipate there'll be another indictment out of Fulton County, Georgia, and that the Department of Justice is also going to try to indict over the, um, the classified documents that he had the power to single-handedly unclassify, declassify by spoken word as the president of the United States, unlike the the vice president. So part of what we're doing is watching that helping and helping um, with messaging and getting the word out about understanding what weaponization of government means. The other thing is, as we look to the rest of this year, and especially to next year, we have two words that are driving every action that, that we take pretty much. And those words are secure and win. We know we have to make sure that we are doing everything we can to secure the elections, especially in Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Nevada, the places that had so many problems in 2020. And um, especially in the case of um, Arizona, they still had massive problems in 2022. So we continue to work on that. The past two years, I've told everyone, I, I and this is true, it still holds true. At the end of the day, regardless of who wins or loses the election, we uh, we have to know that the election was fair and honest and that we can trust the outcome of the election. So even if the person we're supporting loses, but we know we can trust the outcome, that's good for America. And it's not where we were at the end of 2020. And in Georgia, it was not where we were after 2018 because Democrats didn't believe the, the outcome of the election in 2018 in Georgia. But I hate losing elections. So our super PAC, Tea Party Patriots Citizens Fund will be very engaged in, um, endorsing candidates, most importantly, working to get out the vote in swing states as we head into November of 2024 so that we can get rid of these tyrants who are so hell-bent on weaponizing the government against people like President Trump and even against conservative activists around the country. Oh, I think um, 2024, people say that this, this election is, whichever one it is, this election is the most important election in American history. But um, I think, you know, 2024 may be beyond our reach given electoral integrity problems. But if the Democrats win, they will continue with their wide open border policies and millions upon millions of more illegal aliens flooding the country. They'll continue and further weaponize the government. They will continue woking and weakening and politicizing the military. Uh, They will undermine, uh, they will, everything that's going on now will continue and get worse. So there's really, I think that's really the dominant question. And there are even a few Democrats, Tulsi Gabbard, for example, Uh, I don't know how much of a trend she represents, but she left, she left the, uh, she left the Democrat party. Basically, over this is that she wants to live in a free country. And will there be enough people to overcome? In other words, can, can we overcome their vote fraud? And that remains, that remains to be seen. And what, what are the limits of their vote fraud? For example, Georgia and Arizona were very close, about 11, 12,000 votes for Biden in, in 2022, in 2020. Is how many more could they produce? If they needed another 50,000 votes in Georgia or 100,000 votes in Georgia, could they produce them? Or is that beyond the limit? And you may have a better idea, but that's maybe one of the big questions. And then can we overcome their vote fraud with Americans who want to continue living in a free country? 
I think that we have to work from the assumption that we can overcome the vote fraud, because if we work from the assumption that we cannot overcome it, then we then we don't have the power to change the government, which is what we are supposed to have as American citizens. And it it puts us in a situation where we are very hopeless and helpless and people who are hopeless and helpless and angry. Um, th- that's not a good place for our country to be. So I, I work from the presumption that we can make a difference. And I'm I do so optimistically, not naively, but optimistically. Here are things that have happened that give me a little bit of reason to be optimistic. In Georgia, um, the state legislature has made updates to the election law. It isn't where I want it to be. It isn't as much as I want it to be, but they have made updates to the election law. For instance, if you request an absentee ballot in 2020, um, you were supposed to verify the signatures on the absentee ballot with a signature on file. That was not happening at all because they disregarded the law. Um but what they they have changed is that now it's not just looking at the signature, it's looking at your voter ID number and matching it to the voter ID number on on file for absentee or mail-in ballots. They just updated the law again in Georgia to get rid of the loophole that they created when they tried to ban Zucker, Zuckerbucks a year ago, so now, or a year and a half ago, so now they are updating that, that, and it, it, it is awaiting signature from Governor Kemp's desk. In Arizona, it, and in Georgia, we have poll watchers, and they were watching the, the polling locations and also watching the tabulation centers. And there were a lot of problems in the tabulation centers in 2020, especially in Fulton County, having people in there watching, knowing what they should be watching for and making sure that they don't get kicked out of the tabulation center is extremely important to make, to have those guards and checks and balances on. When you look at Arizona and part of what just went wrong in 2022, one of the lessons that I think as individual citizens, not as a government, not as an attorney, not as a candidate, but as an individual citizen can be done to help help try to prevent some of what went wrong the last time is showing up for the testing of the machines and the printers and making sure they're testing every single printer and that a test sample ballot comes off of every printer and that it can be scanned and read um, across the board. Every single piece of equipment needs to be tested and tested thoroughly. So we're learning from what went wrong. We're exercising our rights in accordance with each state's law. And I think that that is very helpful as we move forward. You're right. And the alternative is to give up on the country and give up and surrender our freedom to a Democrat party, one party, socialist, fascist state. And at least for me, I I couldn't do that. I couldn't sit back and watch that happen, even if ultimately we're unsuccessful. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't do that. Um, and Gregory, I, I watched something that I think I encourage everyone on your uh, who's listening today to, to do. Earlier this week, uh, Senator Tim Scott announced his presidential exploratory committee. And this is not an endorsement for, for Tim Scott. He, the video, I'm not endorsing anyone right now. So it's not an endorsement at all. The video that he put out was such a good video. And I encourage everyone to go and find that video and watch it. And here's why he, he announced his exploratory committee on April the 12th. That is the anniversary of the first shot of the civil war and the video he where he was speaking was filmed in Fort Sumter where the the civil war began the fighting actually began in America and he talks about everything that we overcame as a nation and how he went on to be this amazing successful person in his own life and, and went on to become a United States senator. He believes in the exceptionalism of America and wants to make sure that he continues to fight for it and that everyone understands and believes in that exceptionalism and how it empowers the individual and gives the individual opportunity in this country. 
The reason I think it's so important to watch that video, I hear people around the entire country who feel so helpless and they're worried that there might be a civil war or that something terrible is going to happen in America and that the whole the whole country is going to end in utter disaster on our watch imminently. Well, we face much more difficult problems as a country. I'm not saying in our generation or in our lifetime necessarily, but as a country, we have faced that and we've overcome it. And um, I think that... Tim Scott does a good job of reminding us we've overcome much more difficult problems and we can get past what's going on right now. But the way to do that is to be active. We can't just sit by and passively watch what's happening in the country and hope someone else will do it. It's up to each and every one of us to get involved and engaged and work to make a difference. Now, like our tagline of the show, the most important political office is that of the private citizen. We'll pass time for our break. So let's hear from Ed Hoffman of United American Mortgage, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, or read my book, Experience Matters, Here's Mine, then you know that I think like you do. And that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, and whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Uh, President Obama, are you listening? We're thinking of having a Chicago Tea Party in July. All you capitalists that want to show up to Lake Michigan, I'm going to start organizing. Public colleges and universities, tuition free. Uh, Yeah, people are going to have to start paying their fair share in taxes. And that means get rid of the electoral college. Two visions for America's future. Personal freedom, economic freedom, and a debt-free future. And one which will choke personal freedom, and it will inevitably lead to even more massive debt. America will never be a socialist country. We want smaller government. We're choosing freedom and standing for freedom. Well, someone said, never say never. Um, If I believe if trends continue and we keep doing what we're doing and not doing what we're not doing, we will be a socialist or maybe even more of a fascist country. And there's a subtle distinction, but only a subtle distinction between fascism and socialism. Um, You look at AOC as an example, is you're turning out people, about 4 million Americans turn 18 every year. And those are, have been dumbed down and indoctrinated and are voting Democrat by about 70, 75%. And there's real, and if you let that continue, the result is inevitably the socialists win. You're importing millions upon millions of both legal and illegal immigrants who, again, vote Democrat 70, 75% of the time. And they themselves might not be socialists, but they vote for the party who is. Uh, so it, if we're going to save the country, it's going to require a qualitatively better response of our leadership, of strategy, and of citizen involvement. And you're you're in a higher person than I am to try to to because you you interact more with the leadership than I do, um, and have a broader reach with the citizens. What does a what does a strategy what does a winning strategy of saving the country look like? 
Well, I think that it it is twofold. Maybe it's threefold. One is educating Americans on what the problems are. Two is making sure that we know who the candidates are and how they would vote or how they have voted, which means getting them on the record on votes while we are able to do so. And then the third thing is getting out the vote. So as as far as educating Americans go, um, especially with the younger generation, as you were just what you were just talking about, the issues that we face with the younger generation, we there are very good groups who are doing a lot of work in that space. And for some of the kids especially college kids today who are standing up for conservative values on mainstream campuses across the country. So public school campuses, of course, elite universities as well, but just the average public school campus, they have, um, they're facing such adversity that it takes a lot of courage for them to be able to get up and talk to their, their fellow students. But they do that. I know they do it. Um, the work that Turning Point USA um, does is extremely important. The Young Americas Federation, Young Americans for Liberty and Students for Life all are doing a tremendous job being on college campuses and making sure they're sharing the word for of freedom and liberty. And we have to do the same thing as as adults or full grown adults, not college kids with our own peers. So it's very important that we're sharing the message of liberty and freedom and using language that will help sway voters and sway hearts and minds. The second thing, one thing that we work very hard on with Tea Party Patriots Action is making sure that we're getting Congress to take the tough votes, even though sometimes the bills we want to have passed will not pass into law right now, getting people on the record for where they stand on a particular bill helps us be more likely to accomplish our goal. So in that resolution that passed recently where uh, Congressman Paul Gosar introduced a resolution to end, finally, the COVID national state of emergency. The Senate had already voted on that before the end of the last the last uh, Senate session. And they were already on the record and it was a bipartisan vote, but they they did it knowing that it wouldn't go anywhere in the House because Pelosi was still the speaker then. Well, as soon as the Republicans came in, Paul Gosar put that bill out. But these there were Republicans and Democrats in the Senate who were already on the record having supported ending that state of emergency. So they, they pushed the resolution. And because that already happened, they were able to get those same people to vote again to end the resolution. And now Biden has signed that into law and ended it earlier than he planned to end it, much later than it should have been ended, but nevertheless, it ended. So sometimes, even if we don't get the what we want right now in this congressional session, getting people on the record now helps set the stage to be able to get the legislation passed in in two years from now. And then the third thing is that we have to get out the vote, and that includes going door-to-door to talk to people, sending text messages, sending mail. Um, do, I think of it more from the grassroots perspective rather than a campaign and paid advertising perspective. Um, we are behind on the conservative side from what the left is doing to get out the vote. And one of the big projects that our super PAC is engaged in right now is modernizing how we get out the vote with new software and also with new processes, which we intend to test later this year in Louisiana and then roll out next year during the election year. I know I participated in some of those that get out the vote things, including the uh, text messaging to voters in the in the in the key states. And just illustrating what we're up against is I and some of the people here that were doing that. We found that our text messages were being shadow banned. So it would look like. They were being sent, but someone at the phone company was blocking them from actually being sent. We have a short time left, but I think, and maybe we'll delve into this in our second half here, is our our problems and the challenge of saving the country begins long before the ballot box and turning and turning out the vote. That it's as Breitbart said, culture is upstream of politics. And that needs to be addressed. And it's only maybe little bits they're starting to do things. But among other things, the uh, our states need to take control of what is being taught and and what and not taught in the government-run schools and the uh, taxpayer-paid for public universities uh, long before the ballot box. 
But we'll delve into that and other things in our second half. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, or read my book, Experience Matters, here's mine, then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own, or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, and whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to Escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, as well as the Unite, i.e. coalition of conservative and patriot groups in the Inland Empire, uh, where our mission is to unite freedom-loving, America-loving Americans and magnify our strength and effectiveness in making and keeping America great, free, and prosperous. And if that does not say domestic terrorist, you I don't know what does. I am very pleased this week to uh, have with us uh, Jenny Beth Martin, who is the co-founder and the leader of Tea Party Patriots, the national organization that our group affiliates with. And you can find them at teapartypatriots.org. Sign up for their newsletter. Lots of good information. And even if your group is not a, quote, Tea Party, unquote, you can still affiliate with and participate in their webinars and get lots of uh, good and helpful information. At the close of our uh, previous segment, we were talking about getting out the vote and what happens before you ever get to the ballot box and the election campaign, and particularly what's going on in the uh, government-run schools. And there are numerous videos out there to the same effect, but here's, a, here's the, one of the latest ones that uh, caught my attention. Do you know how many states make up the U.S.? 52? <laughs> yes. You know who the current vice president is? Right now? Yeah. Joe Biden. Yes. Do you know what three times three times three is? Nine. Yes. Do you know what year it was 100 years ago? What year it was? Um, One thousand twenty-two. Yes. Do you know what 15% of 100 is? 15% of 100? No. Yeah. Around what, if you had to guess a number? Uh, Give me your best guess. 20. Yes. Benjamin Franklin, uh, after, after completing the Constitution, told um, Elizabeth Powell on the streets of, uh, had an encounter with Elizabeth Powell on the streets of Philadelphia, who asked him, well, doctor, what have you given us? a republic or a monarchy, and Franklin replied, a republic if you can keep it. And leaving aside the indoctrination that's going on in the government-run schools, those people, and there's numerous other examples that you can find across the Internet, are incapable of keeping the republic. And I think that's an intentionally designed result over decades. So, again, coming back to what what's it going to take to save the country is, at least in our states, and there are 23 states with Republican legislatures and governors, plus two more states, maybe three more, because there was just a flip in North Carolina where one of the Democrats deflected, defected to the Republicans, where there are Democrat governors and Republican veto-proof majorities in the legislature. So, if we're serious, among other things, is... They have to take control of the government-run schools. Taxpayers pay for them, and the taxpayers and the voters through their elected representatives must take control of them from the people that are producing people like we just heard in that video. I worry so much about um, that video. The it, It's just appalling how little people actually know about our country. You're right. The, we need to take, we need to 
fix what's going on with our school system. I think part of the reason that there's a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is social justice theory, social critical justice theory, or critical race in critical race theory is part of that. Part of the reason they focus on that is because it's very nebulous. There is no strict yes or no answer, no number to measure things by, like three times three times three. There is an answer to that. It's not nine. Um, But if you if you are just saying, well, we taught people to be nicer to one another and to be anti-racist or to to what transphobia is. There, there's no way to measure or to quantify that. It just, it, it, although I guess a video kind of quantifies some of it, we aren't teaching the things we should be teaching. The point is they can get away from teaching the hard facts where it's, it is, it, it holds teachers and school systems accountable to something that's very, very measurable. And if they don't get it right, then it's very clear that they were getting it wrong. And then it comes over and it, it gets them to focus on soft things that don't really matter in the long run um, when it comes to how to to be a contributing member of society. So, and that isn't to say that, I mean, I, I do want to make sure that I'm very clear and that no one ever comes back and misuses this. I don't think any of us should be racist and we should treat our fellow humans the way we want to be treated. But the school doesn't have to teach us that. Our parents should be teaching us that and our churches and our synagogues can be teaching us how to be moral people. It isn't up to the school system to do that. So these legislatures do have to to fix what's going on with that. And if they are not going to fix it, if they're unwilling to do it, or if the school boards are just going to lie, like um, what we know is happening when they'll say, oh, yeah, well, we just changed. We we got rid of critical race theory or diversity, equity and inclusion. And really, they're just renaming it something that nobody can find. And they continue down the path and just hide it all from the parents and the voters. Then we've got to pull our kids out of these school systems and make sure that our kids are getting educated the way they need to be educated. Oh, absolutely. I've. Given what's going on in the government-run schools, and even in our district here in Redlands, you would think it would be a better district. Uh, you, we used to be at least a majority Republican, probably not anymore. Uh, at least probably three of the five board, school board members are nominally Republican, but they're as doing as much woke indoctrination as um, as as any other Democrat-run school district. Just this week. There's another example. They were holding a seminar or class or program on chest binding. So which is where, if you're not familiar with that, where girls who have been confused into thinking they, they want to be boys, they, uh, they wrap and compress their breasts so they can look more like a boy. And that's what's going on here. Just the latest example here in our government-run schools, there are very explicit books in the libraries of detailing sex acts between and among children and with adults. Um, you just you have to you you have to get your children out of that until they can be fixed, either with school choice or the Republicans in our states take charge and say, no, this is what's how the government-run schools under our control are going uh, to operate. And you see, just another example of this is when Riley Gaines went to make a speech at San Francisco, uh, University in San Francisco. He was not only heckled and shouted down and prevented from speaking, uh, she was physically attacked, held prisoner or barricaded in a room for three hours. And the, the college praised the transgender people who attacked her. And, of course, that per- the person who actually punched her wasn't arrested. Or Stanford, you saw that. You saw what happened when a, a federal appellate court judge went to give a speech there, and by the, both the, the faculty, by the administrator and the students, was not allowed to speak there. And these people are going to be your future judges. Yeah. So, the, uh, so my view of it is that our, if we're going to save the country, it's going to require a qualitatively better response from not only our citizens but from our leaders, and, our, and where you have the ability to govern. One more thing, I'll, and I'll let you jump in. 
The Democrats are never afraid or reluctant to use their power to advance their agenda. Republicans are often and usually very timid in using their power when they have it to advance our agenda of saving America as a free country, and that has to change. That's right. It does have to change. I think the difference in the reason why there's such a difference in that oftentimes, well, there are two, two things going on. The, the first is that the, the li- liberalism, the, the liberals and their attitude and socialism and communism, uh, those philosophies think that you need more government and the government control is okay. So they tend to lean into, they naturally lean into using the government to assert authority and using the government to do as much as they possibly can with whatever it is that they're trying to do, because they think government is always the solution and individualism is never or rarely is the solution. So just from a philosophical standpoint, going into it, they already have that, um, as part of their thinking and our side, when we are, when we are conservative, and even if you maybe aren't as conservative as Gregory, as you and I are, but you're still a Republican voter, you tend to believe that individualism is good, self-reliance is good, and that the government should only do the the very least that it must do, and that it, we want constitutionally limited government rather than constitutionally, well, not even constitutionally, but just rather than big, huge government. So there's a difference going into it just from a philosophical standpoint. But the other thing is this, it is very important that if the laws exist and we have the power within the law that is already passed right now to, to take the, use the levers of government to advance our agenda, it is, it makes sense to do that. And you have to do that in order to be able to roll back some of what's going on. It doesn't mean you're using the power to, to create more government. I don't want to see that happening, but if the power exists and we need to, to use it. One thing that I saw from Ari Fleischer, which was kind of shocking to me because he worked for, uh, President Bush and he's not exactly the most conservative person that I would ever think of when I'm listing the top five or 10 or 100 conservatives. He said that he thinks that local prosecutors across the country and even rural prosecutors across the country need to step up and start indicting Biden and uh, Kamala Harris and Obama and the Clintons and whoever else and using all of the power that their position holds to indict so that we're essentially going nuclear back on what um, Alvin Bragg has done by arresting President Trump and, uh, and indicting him and just saying, if you go there, we go there and that and they need to understand that we are willing to do that and it make it so untenable for both sides that both sides just back off almost like in the cold war if russia increased their, their weapons the america increased and if america did then russia did and in each side knew it that you better not go there because the other would retaliate in kind but when you're timid and you're unwilling to do that, then I've, I'm very worried that we will continue to see even more of the kind of abuse that Riley Gaines faced by being assaulted and held for hours against her will, which certainly sounds like a hostage situation or kidnapping. Those are legal terms. I don't know what the legal definition is for that. And what the federal judge faced, where it was absolute total intolerance from the left. They claim to be tolerant, but they're the most intolerant people in in, in our entire country. Absolutely. Um, I kind of analogize our situation to what we're fighting in the Democrat Party, an SS Panzer division. They are ruthless and evil, but they are dedicated and effective warriors for their cause. And we have some warriors on our side, um, but most of our most of our people are Vichy French Republicans who would rather be sipping wine in the cafe or collaborating with the Germans rather than fighting them. And that also needs to change. And we will talk more after this and. We have a great conference coming up, the Unite IE Conference. I've been involved in this since its founding in 2014. It'll be April 29th at the Doubletree in Hilton. Lots of great speakers, including Pastor Jack Hibbs. If we had 
another 1,000 or 10,000 pastors like him, we can save the country. Uh, Brandon Tatum, Sebastian Gorka, economist Stephen Moore, and others. It'll be a great event, and you can get your tickets by going to the website for this station, am590theanswer.com. Unite IE is coming Saturday, April 29th to Ontario. Hosted by Jennifer Horn and Grant Stinchfield for The Morning Answer. Featuring top answer on-air talkers, Sebastian Gorka and Officer Tatum. Plus, Pastor Jack Hibbs and other special guests to be announced. Who will save California? It's never too late to turn the state and the country around. Are you going to stay on the sidelines? Or join us in Ontario for Unite IE. Lock in your tickets now before they're gone at AM590. The Answer. Dot com. AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton, Redlands Tea Party Patriots and Unite IE Coalition. Very pleased this week to have uh, Jenny Beth Martin on the show, and she is the co-founder and the leader of Tea Party Patriots, the national organization. And we're very pleased that on April 19. Our groupers will be hosting her at a special meeting at our usual location, the Mill Creek Cattle Company Mentone. That'll start at 7 p.m. and our meetings are free and open to the public. And Mill Creek is a great place to, to have dinner. Um, we talked about kind of some very theoretical and philosophical and strategic issues. What are some of the more practical things right now that uh, the Tea Party Patriots are focusing on? So um, every single week, we have calls to action with Tea Party Patriots Action so that the individual citizen can take action, and we try to make it as simple as possible. Some of the things that we do, if you're in California, what we hear from a lot of our our California supporters is, oh, our senators are so bad, we we can't make a difference with our senators. And we understand the difficulty of being in a deep blue state and how how difficult that might be. But um, what we also, so if you go to TeaPartyPatriots.org and you click on Take Action, every single week you'll see our current calls to action. Two that we are working on right now, we have not released them, but we will be releasing them shortly. Um, one is related to uh, the new re- regulations that were just proposed in the last week that would effectively make it almost impossible to buy a gas-powered car and you'd have to be switching vehicles to electric vehicles. These regulations were just dropped this week. Now there's a period for public comment. I can't remember if it's a 30 or 40 five or a 60 day period. I forgot what the standard time on that is, but we are going to be putting together a call to action so that you can go click through and leave an automated comment, or you can go in and edit a comment and put your own comment on regulations.gov regarding that issue. And then it just came to my attention um, on Thursday of this week that there is a similar regulation that is happening that deals with men and women's sports, I guess, at the the school level. I've got to get the details exactly on, on what the proposed regulation is, but that will be another one that we can put our comments in and try to stand up to fight it and to prevent it from happening. The, the law says that when comments are entered like that, that the agencies have to read each and every comment. Having a lot of comments against it will be very helpful so that Republican congressmen and Republican senators across the country can see that Americans are so completely opposed to it that then they take action in Congress to prevent these regulations from actually becoming law. Those are certainly two great causes. And you would think that um, if you could could communicate to the voters that the Democrats want to force you to buy an electric car, that the average cost of which is $60,000 or more beyond the reach of most American families to be able to afford such an electric car, never mind charging it, never mind replacing the battery, never mind anything else, just buying the car, is, do you want? are you, are you going to vote for these people? Um, and I, I think, I think that, that is part of our, Dan, I'll cut that out. I think that's part of our challenge, is they pursue these policies, th- such as, forcing out of the car or here in California that uh, they allow homeless all over the place. They don't uh, and you know, crime run loose. They don't fix the roads. And you think people go, OK, I don't like this. But 
a lot of people don't seem to change their voting behavior. They'll, they'll leave San Francisco, but they won't stop voting for, for Democrats. You know, question is, and I think that there's a larger question here that the Republican House has to face, is are they going to, for the next two years, pass bills to say this is what we support and this shows our difference than the Democrats? Or are they going to leverage their position that any law that passes, any bill that passes, any budget that passes, any spending bill, the debt ceiling increase, has to have the concurrence of the Republican-controlled House of Representatives. So will they make a stand for, for something? For example, the, uh, the border. Uh, they've got five, six million have come, illegals have come in thus far. And that's going to continue and accelerate as they get rid of Title 42, which has been keeping at least some of the illegals out. So there may be 500,000 a year, um, per month, not a year, per month. So let's take that as just one example. Will the Republicans, they could, that on these must-pass pieces of legislation, include a provision that says this will not pass the House of Representatives unless there is a reinstation of, of Remain in Mexico, ending of catch and release. Or will they, like Ted Cruz, they'll grill Mayorkas at a, at a hearing, but they'll do nothing to actually change the problem? Well, I think that they are going to expose problems, and I don't know that they're going to change very many problems. I think that they've decided there are a few things they're going to fight and they will fight those as much as they possibly can. And then beyond that, um, given the slim majority, they're, they're not going to do as much as either one of us would, would like. So what I think that we can see is that they are going to fight on the debt ceiling to make sure there are, um, the, there are conditions with the debt ceiling and it's not just a blank check when it is increased. I, I think the budget needs to be balanced within, well, I want to balance within five years, but what they're saying is 10 years because the COVID spending got the, the debt so far out of whack that that's the best that they can possibly come up with. I think that the most likely scenario is the most, I mean, there's things that we need to have out, um, of the spending, but I just don't, I don't know how much of it they're actually going to, to work to adjust and how many, um, conditions they'll put on that. Um, what I do think will happen that where we can make the most difference is to make sure that we are blocking as many as possible of the bad nominees who Biden who Biden presents and, and nominates. And the Senate has done a pretty good job of doing that by exposing how completely incompetent they are. It makes it much more difficult for certain senators who are up for reelection next year and are Democrats to vote for those, for those nominees. So that's one thing. Sometimes the best that you can hope for is blocking rather than getting what we want. I, I'm very careful. Um, especially after the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, I want to make sure people know I'm as fired up as you are. I'm as angry as you are about what's happening in the country. And I also want to make sure that I am honest with people so they understand this is how much I think we can get done. And then we just have to win in 2024, which means we have to secure elections and work to get out the vote so that we can have more legislative wins in 2025 and 2026. But I'm not holding my breath for 2023 and 2024. It, I, I, there are a few things I think will happen, but otherwise we're not going to get what you and I want at all. And I, I'm not saying that it'd be discouraging. I'm just saying it because it is what it is, and we need to understand that. And then we've got to make sure we win elections in 2024 and secure them so that we can trust the outcome. I suspect that you're that you're right, given the history of Republicans and Republican electeds, uh, those uh, what I call the Vichy, the Vichy French Republicans. But unfortunately, what that means is another five, six, seven, eight, nine million, ten million, whatever they can do in the next two years, the illegal aliens are going to pour through that border and stand, stopping controlling the border, stopping that deluge, stopping the transgender 
stopping this woke um, racial discrimination, which they, which they call diversity, those things are popular. The Republicans could actually stand on those things. The spending bill will require in reinstation of catch reinstation of Miranda Mexico ending catch and release. And that would be a popular position for them to stand on. But I'm afraid uh, you're right that they will not do so and the deluge will continue. There's always so much more we can talk about. I very much appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate you coming to see the Redlands Tea Party Patriots uh, April 19, 7 p.m. Mill Creek Cattle Company in Mentone and everything you're doing for the cause of freedom and saving our country. Tune in Thank next you. week for another exciting edition of Unite IE Radio. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, or read my book, Experience Matters, Here's Mine, then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own, or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, and whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to Escape California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 